welcome back to Show Talk, the place where I talk, you talk, and we talk about shows. Today we will be continuing off from episode one of Marvel's Runaways to episode two of season one, which is called The Rewind. On this episode, we get to see a different perspective of what happened last week. So now we are learning more about who the parents are, what secrets they are have that we didn't even think to know in the first episode, and we get to clear up a lot of some of the questions we had from episode one. But what did happen in episode one? Let's look back. Let's recap on the things that we know. We got to know our main kids, which is Alex, Nico, Gert, Chase, Carolina, and Molly. They were a group of friends who disbanded when their friend Amy, Nico's sister, died. Alex, trying to bring the group back together, invites everyone over to his house um, as a reunion. Uh, which is what the first episode is actually called. But this isn't really the best time because a lot is going on, not only with the group as a whole, but with each member individually. Molly seems to have come into some powers that allow her super strength. Carolina seems to come into some powers that have her glowing like a, a rainbow. And we find out that things are not as they seem in each family's home because it seems like the parents have a secret of their own. They all work for an organization known as Pride, centered around the Church of Gaborah led by Carolina's mom, Leslie. They seem to kidnap homeless and drug addict people you wouldn't miss, kids off of the streets, usually ranging around the age of 17. And in the last episode, the kids witnessed one of the sacrifices of one of the said teens known as Destiny. Now the kids don't know how to wrap their head around this. For all they know, their parents have been good people, maybe a little bit overbearing, maybe just classic parents, but they wouldn't be known to murder someone. Least of all, someone that People in the group know. Carolina knows Destiny from being part of the church. So here they are witnessing a sacrifice and their mind is blown. So that's how we leave episode one with the kids finding their parents sacrificing Destiny and realizing that their parents aren't who they think they are. Moving forward into episode two, the rewind, now we're doing exactly that. We're rewinding the day to see a new perspective, the parent's perspective on everything that went down from meeting Destiny to Destiny's supposed death. So there's a lot of secrets going on between the parents group. Just like the teens, they have their own problems, but they have to come together, it seems like, for pride. Marina break down each parent's group individually to find out what's their secret and how it affects pride, so maybe it can help us understand what pride is altogether. So let's go in order of how we met the kids to how we meet the parents. So Alex's parents, we have Catherine and Jeffrey. So like I said in the first episode, Catherine and Jeffrey give off an aurora of we earned this life and everything that came with it because we hear that Jeffrey is from the hood, but he's left that life behind and things are different now. 
But are they? Because it turns out that you can't always be running from the past because Jeffries is coming right behind him and knocking on the door in the form of Darius. So Darius seems to have grown up with Jeffrey from when he was part of that life, which seems to include a lot of gang-related activity. And you can infer this by just the conversations that they have. Jeffrey talking about how he can take his part of the hood back when he wants. The amount of guns and heat that Darius is packing. This isn't no normal reunion. They are clearly not friends anymore. And Darius seems out to be getting revenge because as Jeffrey is threatening his family, Darius is on the side recording information off of Jeffrey's phone. Apparently, 50 grand isn't enough to pay off no gangster scorned. <laughs> and that is a lesson to be learned, children. But anyway, now we don't know what information that Darius has gotten off of Jeffrey's phone. We don't know, does it have information about pride? We don't know, does it have information that Jeffrey has not really left the life that he said he has? And now we're going to have to wonder what Darius is going to do with that information and how that affects not only pride, but the teenagers as well. One thing we do know, however, is that whatever Darius finds cannot interrupt the construction site that is going on with the Pride Community Center because whatever is going on there has a lot to do with what's going on with Pride in their little cave of wonders. So that's one set of parents and another set of secrets. Moving on to our next pair, we're going to look at Nico's parents, Tina and Robert. So just like the rest of the kids, they've also been dealing with the hardship that's come with Amy's death. I mean, they're her parents and they've taken it a lot harder and you can see it so much in this episode where in the last episode you thought that maybe Tina, Nico's mom, was just cold or that Robert was just more focused on Nico as his like favorite child but you really get to see like some of the mourning that they've faced. Um, you get to see it when Nico goes into Amy's room and Tina loses it. She's, she's angry. She's lashing out at Nico and at her husband because for over the last two years, they've basically used this room as a museum or as a tribute to Amy, which is not healthy at all. And you would think that they would talk about it. Something that Robert has been pushing Tina to do since the death of Amy because he can see the negative effects that this is creating between the family, especially between Nico and Tina. He even warns Tina that if she keeps going the way that she's going, they're not going to have a relationship. And this scene actually really hurt me because you can see just how pushed to the side Nico has been just after Amy's death. And to put that on top of everything that she's facing after losing a sister, it was pretty hard to watch. But that just shows like how great the show has been going on for so far. It just shows like a lot of great story development and acting on both parts of the screen that we get to feel some of the emotions that the characters are feeling, which I like very much. We get to see a new surprise element um, from Tina as well, because she brings out a staff, a staff that we consider probably magical or has some kind of powerful elements. Uh, I think that she can at least control matter, um, seeing as she's able to close off the room on Robert when she, he refuses to leave and she feels that she needs to preserve Amy's room for what it is. 
so with these two parents, it looks like we have two problems. The issues within the family, the tension between Dan and Tina, and Tina and Nico, but also the magical elements that the family possesses. Because what is this staff? And it seems so powerful, or at least Tina makes it seem so powerful that do the other parents know about it? And does it have a position within Pride? It's been stated that each parent within Pride comes with their own special qualities that allow Pride to be successful. And maybe Tina's staff is hers. But with the other parents, we find other abilities, such as Chase's parents, Victor and Janet. So we already know that they have problems. Chase's dad probably being abusive, um, not only to Janet, but to Chase as well. And it seems that Victor's abilities or skills and electronics and technology is one of his key factors in Pride because it looks like he's making one of the boxes that we saw Destiny go into in episode one. We don't really know what it does, but we know that it's supposed to transport one being somewhere else because he tests the box off on a mouse and when he opens it up the mouse is still there so at this point we don't know if the box is working but the pride meeting is tonight and he's gonna have to figure out something by then but that's not the only secrets that's going on because between the parents as a whole it seems like janet's got her own secrets now, we don't really know what Janet provides to Pride as a whole other than supporting her husband. And seeing as her husband's pretty much abusive, she looks like she's looking to outside sources for comfort. So a possible cheating scandal is coming in, and that is a scary fact for me because who knows what Victor's going to do if he finds out that Janet has been cheating on him the entire time and we don't even know who she's cheating on him with it could be someone in pride it could be someone not in pride but so far we haven't been introduced to any new characters so if we do have a new character coming in i want to know what he's going to add and if he's going to change things up a little bit for each group let's hope that if her new lover is gert's dad dale that one Stacy, his wife, doesn't know, and two, that Janet at least knows that they have a pet dinosaur in their basement. Yes, we were right in episode one that this is possibly a prehistoric dinosaur just living in its own tropical oasis in the York's basement. Again, I still don't believe that there is no way the kids did not know that they had a monstrous animal in their basement because they go down there to feed the animals all the time. How do you not hear a dinosaur? I'm pretty sure it's not quiet. But if they're able to bring a dinosaur back to life into the future, could that leave reason to believe that Molly's powers that she just got in episode one was manufactured by the Yorks? Because one of their main characteristics or main qualities that they give off to Pride is their scientific background. And if they can bring back a dinosaur, they can manufacture a power or a mutant gene within Molly. But it doesn't make sense. Why would they do that? Why would they jeopardize their own family by not only messing with their DNA, but also bringing a possible animal that could hurt their family as a whole? Out of all those questions, if there's one thing I do know, it's that Pride doesn't know 
about those two things that the Gertz are producing because it doesn't seem like it has any purpose for Pride. I'm going to go continuing throughout the season hoping that the Yorks don't have any kind of nefarious purpose unlike the rest of the parents who seem a little bit more shady and the things that they do and their actions and how they present themselves in front of the rest of the group because the Yorks are kind of my favorite parents I mean yes they're sacrificing children and no I haven't forgotten but they seem like they do regret it and like they said denial is very uh it's a very good thing it works (laughs) when you need it to My least favorite parent, however, is going to have to be Leslie, Carolina's mom, because you find out that she is the parent that picks the students to be sacrificed to pride. And it really hurt that Leslie decided to go through with the sacrifice, knowing that Destiny was trying to escape the church. She felt that she had run her course of time at the Church of Gaborah, but she wanted to go back and go back and help with her family and raise her daughter, her three-year-old daughter. And Leslie still pushed her to come back to the church under the false pretenses of joining Ultra. So Ultra seems to be one of the it's a improvement, a one-up in the church that means that you've made it within the church and that you've reached a certain belief system. And so with that in mind, she promises Destiny that she'll be able to reach Ultra if she comes back to the church the night of the Pride meeting. And we know that Ultra is not what she's reaching, but something a little bit more sinister. One thing to take note, though, is that someone is missing in the parents group, and that's Frank, Carolina's dad. Throughout the entire episode, he doesn't seem to have any connection to Pride at all, other than his relationship to Leslie and his position within the Church of Gabor. He's an actor, he has his own things, but now that he's been cut off from the acting scene, he really wants to invest himself in the church, which would mean investing himself in pride, and Leslie doesn't seem too happy about that. In fact, Leslie and Frank's relationship looks pretty strained as much as Tina and Robert, so I don't know how that relationship is going on as well. And for all we know, it's Frank and Janet that are having this little rendezvous in the sheets. There are many questions that still need to be answered, but we're getting close. We see that Alex's parents provide the real estate and the connections within the state um, that can cover pride in their issues. The Minorus, they add a technological um gift to the group as a whole. Victor as well provides another technological gift as a whole because he's creating a transport machine that Pride needs. We don't know what the transport machine does, but we know that it doesn't work and it needs to be done by the Pride meeting. So who knows what's going to happen with that. We have the Yorks who seem to be very powerful in the science field in that the fact that they can bring a whole entire dinosaur back. We have lastly Carolina's mom who's providing the sacrifices for pride. They all have their own purpose within the group and what they bring to the table. It's a lot to take in. I feel like I've started to get to know these parents a little bit more. And I'm just as shocked as the kids when they find out that their parents are not who they 
we think that they are, especially the Yorks, because like I said, they're my favorite. So when the kids do find out, they go running and their thought process is to act as natural as possible because they just saw a 17 year old girl who got sacrificed the same age as them. For all they know, they're next. So while the kids think that they fooled their parents into thinking that they haven't witnessed the Pride's meeting and its parent sacrifice, Jeffrey finds one of Molly's bows in his office, which might lead him to believe that they know what's going on. And who knows what the parents will do with that type of information. We've seen throughout the episode that the parents will go through whatever length they can take to provide for pride and to make sure that this is the last sacrifice and and that it works. But we don't think it does because another thing happens the last five minutes of the episode where we find out that Destiny is actually still alive because the transport box still didn't work and Victor sees this and he's angry. So who knows what's going to happen to Destiny now? What's going to happen to Destiny? What's going to happen to Molly? We're all going to figure that out in the next episode, episode three. And I hope you come back where we'll analyze, critique it, and just pure fangirl and fanboy about it. But until then, I want to know your thoughts. What did you guys think of the episode? I'm not going to lie. Compared to the first episode, this isn't really my favorite. Maybe it's because we're focusing on the parents. And although I love their storylines and I, I love what we're getting to know about them this episode, I can't really connect with them as well as I can connect with the kids. And maybe that's an age thing. Maybe if I was older, I'd be able to connect more with the parents and see their perspective and the work that they're putting in for Pride. As of currently, I can't do that. So to me, this wasn't my favorite episode out of the two, but I can't wait to see more. You can't just have the kids' perspective because that'll leave out a lot of questions that we have for whatever the parents are doing. Because Pride and those parents' work in Pride is very important with the show as a whole. And to understand that, we have to look at the parents' perspective. What are some of the questions that you guys had? You know, mine was about what happens to the kids now that they know. Oh, some honorable mentions being, we saw the mummy again. That guy that we saw in episode one just laying in the sheets, he's laying in a transporter, the same that one that Destiny goes into later on in that episode. And of course, it doesn't work, and the guy's still there, but what was it supposed to do? And if he was in the transporter, and Destiny was in the transporter, were they supposed to switch bodies? Was it supposed to be some Freaky Friday mess? The questions keep coming, but it's only episode two. So the amount of information that we have to learn out of this 10 episode season increases with every episode that we watch. And I can't wait to find out what I learned in episode three, because we learned a lot this episode. We still have questions, but we're going to probably get even more answers next week. So I hope you'll be able to join me. But until then, keep talking.